Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Valley's conference call to discuss the 23 second quarter results. All participants are currently in a listen-only mode. At the end of the presentations, we will provide instructions on how to participate in the question and answer session. This call is being translated simultaneously to Portuguese. If you should require assistance during the call, please press the star key followed by zero. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded, and the recording will be available on the company's website at valley.com in the area for investors. The slide presentation that accompanies this call is being broadcast on the Internet and is also available in the investors area of the company's website. There is a slight two-second delay between the audio and slide changes compared to the audio transmitted via phone. Before proceeding, let me mention that forward-looking statements may be provided in this presentation, including Valley's expectations about future events or results, encompassing those matters listed in the respective presentation. We caution you that forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve risks and uncertainties. To obtain information on factors that may lead to results different from those forecast by Valley, please consult the reports Valley's files with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, the Brazilian Comissão de Valores Mobiliários, CVM, and in particular, the factors discussed under forward-looking statements and risk factors in Valley's annual report on Form 20F. With us today are Mr. Eduardo de Sales Bartolomeu, Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Gustavo Pimenta, Executive Vice President of Finance and Investor Relations, Mrs. Dashni Naidu, CEO Valley Base Meadows, Mr. Carlos Medeiros, Executive Vice President of Operations. Mr. Eduardo Bartolomeu will begin the presentation on Valley's second quarter performance, and after that, he will be available for questions and answers. It is now my pleasure to turn the call over to Mr. Eduardo Bartolomeu. Sir, you may now begin. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. I hope you are all well. Let me start with the very significant milestone that we delivered and announced last night. We signed it a strategic partnership with world-class diversified investors for the energy transition metal business. This partnership attributed a very attractive valuation for our ETM business, which shows that our partners recognize the value generation potential of our assets and how uniquely positioned they are. This is an encouraging starting point for what we believe is a powerful platform for growth. I will give you more details during the presentation. Now let me cover our operating results. We delivered a solid production performance for our business this quarter. In Iron Solutions, we are growing quarterly output year on year while our all-in costs declined yearly and quarterly. We are also commissioning total dam, which will increase availability of pellet feed for Brooklyn 2 operations and improve the average quality of our portfolio. In energy transition metals, Salobo 3 is ramping up ahead of schedule with a solid contribution to our corporate growth year to date. In nickel, we are firmly marching towards our annual guidance. Moving on to dam management, we reached the first deadline for implementing the Global Industry Standard for Tailing Management, the GISTM. With a positive outlook, all of our prioritized structures are in conformance with the standard with ongoing action plans to ensure that the best practices are in place. This is part of our commitment to being a safer company for our employees, communities, and society. On top of that, our discipline in capital location remains pristine. We announced the distribution of $1.74 billion in shareholder remuneration with payment in September. Since 2021, 
the total amount distributed in dividends and interest on capital translated into a 27% yield to our shareholders. This shows Vale's solid track record in creating and sharing value. In addition, our third share buyback program is now 69% complete. Since launching our first share buyback program in 2021, Vale has repurchased about 16% of its share base, representing a concentration in shareholder future earnings of almost 20%. With that, we are walking the talk, delivering in our commitments. So let me go now over some details of our performance. Next slide. We reached the end of the first half of 2023 with strong results and a positive outlook, being well positioned to deliver the production guidance for 2023. In Iron Solutions, asset reliability initiatives have started to bear fruits this quarter and driving the solid performance across our three systems. We set a new production record for a second quarter at S11B. It's a bit and Vagin Grande performed very well as well, and our mix improved substantially. As I mentioned, Torto is finally commissioned, which should allow for more pellet production, improving our mix and average price premium. In energy transition metals, copper production in the second quarter grew 41% year on year, mainly to the successful ramp up of Salobo Tree and improved performance at Susebu, benefiting from the extended side mill maintenance done last year. Copper sales were exceptional for the period, growing 43% year-on-year. Finished nickel production grew 8% year-on-year, giving continued solid performance from our Sudbury mines and improved production sourced from Indonesia. With planned maintenance in the quarter, Voices Bay and Long Harbor operations had a lower output. Onsa Puma Furnace is currently operating at a lower rate in preparation for the furnace rebuild later this year. Despite that, our outlook for 2023 nickel production remains solid. Next slide. We are ramping up Salobo 3 ahead of schedule with strong production rates. We had an increment of 10 kilotons this quarter versus the first quarter, with a total output of 16 kilotons in the first half of 2023, meaning 9% of our total copper output in the same period. Once at peak capacity, expected at the end of 2024, Salobo 3 will add 30 to 40,000 kilotons per year of copper to our total Salobo complex output. Next slide. In 2020, we committed to implement the GISTM, the Global Industry Standard for Tailing Management, within the industry timeframe. I'm glad to inform that we have implemented the standard for all of our prioritized structures within the first deadline, with ongoing action plans to ensure full conformance. This is an important milestone in the evolution of our BEM management towards the safety of our employees, neighboring communities, and society. In addition, we are on track to full conformance for all our taking facilities not in state of closure by 2025. We are consistently reducing risks associated with our DEMs and implementing the best international practice in BEM management, while developing alternative solutions to reduce them use. So, we will continue to deliver on our ESG commitments so that Vale becomes a leader in sustainable mining and a benchmark in safety. Next slide. Finally, talking about our ETM business. As you all know, we have been working over the last 18 months on a series of initiatives to position our ETM business for success. We have completely redesigned our organization, ring-fenced the business into a single vehicle and a linear structure and a dedicated governance. We attracted industry experts for the board, 
top talents like Jerome Guillen and Mark Goodfunny, who needs no introduction. In addition, we defined management incentive plans tailored to foster business development. All of that to establish a more fit-for-purpose organization that will allow us to unlock the ETM business value over the next several years. Today, I am very proud to announce the formation of a partnership with world-class strategic investors to ETM, which I am confident will create substantial long-term value to all of our shareholders. I am honored to partner with Manara Minerals Investment Company, a new venture between Madden and PIF, the Public Investment Fund, that brings in experience and help us in accessing strategic geographies for value, including the iron ore business with our mega hubs. I am also honored to partner with Engine Number One, a reference in sustainability-focused investments with solid ESG credentials. The future ahead of us is very promising. The need for a lower carbon economy is a generational challenge, but at the same time, is an enormous opportunity as this simply will not be achieved without a significant increase in the supply of critical minerals. We see ETM uniquely positioned to play a relevant role in this process, not only because we have a tremendous mineral endowment, but also because we are building the leading ESG future-facing minerals platform in our space, one that pursues long-term value creation to all stakeholders. We all share the same vision for long-term growth and value creation, and the terms of our partnership is a validation of that. I said we would close a deal only at the right value and with the right partners. That is exactly what we achieved today. So, now I pass the floor to Gustavo, who will detail the transaction and our financial results. And I'll get back to you on our Q&A at the end, and thank you for your attention. Thanks, Eduardo, and good morning, everyone. As Eduardo explained it, this partnership is another important milestone in building a leading future-facing commodities platform with significant mineral endowment and resources, inclusive of reserves, amounting over 30 million tons for copper and 90 million tons for nickel. We see potential for ETM to invest 25 to $30 billion in highly accredited projects over the next decade, growing its copper production from approximately 350 kilotons per year to 900 kilotons per year, and its nickel production from around 175 kilotons per year to 300 kilotons per year. With this exciting outlook, I now turn to the transaction details in the next slide. Given the strong interest to partner with ETM and the high caliber of potential partners, we, together with our board, decided to accommodate a greater share of investors and increased the equity capitalization to 13%, considering an enterprise value of $26 billion. The implied pre-money equity value for Vale was $25.1 billion. The total net proceeds are expected to reach $3.4 billion, out of which $1 billion will stay with BBM, and the balance will be returned to the parent company for future use as per our capital allocation framework. Now moving to our financial performance in the second quarter. Let's start with our EBITDA. As you can see, we delivered an EBITDA of $4.1 billion, $1.4 billion below the same period in 2022. This decrease is explained by $15 per ton lower iron ore fines realized price and by the $3,000 per ton lower nickel realized prices, following the decline in the reference prices since second quarter 2022. The impact of costs and expenses on EBITDA was relatively small at $96 million, mainly from transitory effects in the nickel business, 
related to the maintenance and higher third-party nickel feed purchases. In iron ore and copper, despite the year-on-year -year inflationary pressure, costs and expenses improved EBITDA by $218 million. I will go into more details on costs later in my presentation. Sales volumes and byproducts helped increase our EBITDA by $154 million as a result of initiatives to improve asset reliability, and we expect to continue seeing these positive results in the second half of 2023. Now on to iron ore costs. Our C1 cash costs ex third party purchases came down slightly to $23.5 per ton quarter on quarter, even considering a 70 cents per ton negative effect from the Brazilian currency appreciation. Given the significant appreciation of the Brazilian real, and now considering an average exchange rate of 4.95 for the year versus our previous assumption of 5.20 reais per dollar, we have adjusted our C1 guidance for the year to 21.5 to 22.5 dollars per ton. This means an expected C1 below 22 dollars per ton in the second half of this year, driven by more northern system production in the mix and the continuous rollout of our productivity program with gains in asset reliability and procurement initiatives. With regards to all-in costs, our EBITDA break-even reached $53 per ton, roughly flat year-on-year, and $5.2 per ton lower quarter-on-quarter. This can be attributed to the improved product portfolio mix with more northern system ore and lower high-silic product sales in addition to greater volumes. We also adjusted our iron ore all-in cost guidance to $52 to $54 per ton for the year. This change is essentially a result of external factors such as the lower all-in premiums due to market conditions and the adjustments in C1 due to the Brazilian real appreciation. Just to give a sensitivity, a 10 cent appreciation of the Brazilian real converts into a 30 cent per ton increase in C1 cash costs ex third party purchases and a 50 cent per ton increase in all in costs in 2023. In copper, we continue to see gains from higher production at both Salogo and Sosego, which supports the dilution of fixed costs at our operations. Higher gold prices and the one-off effect on tax credits contributed to reducing our total costs in the quarter. As a result, our all-in cost was just over $3,000 per ton, approximately $1,800 per ton lower than in the first quarter, which is in line with our expectations with the continued ramp-up of Salobo 3. At our NICO operations, our COGS ex third-party feed increased about 5,000 year-on-year, due to lower availability of our own feed, which we were already expecting with the ongoing transition in Voices Bay Mine and the relatively longer planned maintenance period at Long Harbor. Also, in connection with Voices Bay transition and Long Harbor maintenance, this quarter we have recognized a one-off decrease in the recoverable value of inventories, which were produced at higher costs. As a result, our all-in costs increased year-on-year but stayed essentially flat quarter-on-quarter quarter at just over 17,000 per ton. The all-in cost guidance for NECO in 2023 has been adjusted to 15,500 to 16,000 per ton, mostly reflecting lower-than-expected byproduct prices and volumes, which we expected to continue throughout the second half of 2023. For the second half, we expected all-in costs to decline as production increases and no other one-off event materializes. Now moving to cash generation. As you can see, Q2 free cash flow was negatively impacted by working capital, as we had 7 million tons higher accrual sales volumes in our norm, in addition to higher Brumadinho-related commitments. Also in the second quarter, Valley raised $1.5 billion from bonds issues, whose proceeds were mostly used to repurchase $500 million of higher cost debt and to repurchase $1.4 billion of shares, 
as part of our buyback program. Looking specifically at our capital location strategy, yesterday, our board of directors approved a distribution of $1.7 billion in interest on capital to be paid in September, based on financial results from the first half of the year. Since 2021, Vale generated 27% of dividend yield. Additionally, we continue to see the repurchase of our shares as one of the best ways to create long-term value for our shareholders. Since the beginning of our share buyback program, Vale has repurchased 16% of our share base, representing a concentration in shareholder future earnings of almost 20%. So before we move on to the Q&A session, I'd like to reinforce the key messages from today's call. We continue to make substantial progress in our operational performance and are extremely confident in delivering our production targets for the year. At our energy transition metals business, we are thrilled with today's announcement and believe the actions we have taken over the last 18 months will position the business to be a winner in the global energy transition. At the same time, we have been taking immediate and consistent actions to improve then safety, being now adherent to the GISTM for all critical structures. And finally, we remain highly committed to a disciplined capital location process, as evidenced by today's dividend announcement and the continuous execution of our highly accredited buyback program. Now I'd like to open the call for questions. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We will now begin the question and answer session. If you have a question, please press the star key followed by the one key on your touchstone phone now. If at any time you would like to remove yourself from the questioning queue, press star 2. Please ask your question in English and limit your questions to two at a time. Our first question comes from Daniel Sasson, Itaú BBA. Uh, hi, guys. Good morning. Thanks for, for the presentation. Uh, my first question is on the cost front. Um, if you could uh, give us more details on, uh, on on the cost difference between your northern and southern systems, that would be helpful and help us understand the, the evolution of your cost going forward, given the uh, increase uh, of, um, of participation of the northern system in your total mix and your total sales mix uh, in the second half. And if you could reminders of the, the, your exposure, what percentage of your C1 is actually denominated in reais, that would be great. And my second question, congrats on the transaction for the, the base metals division. Um, if you could give us more, more color on your expectations on the uh, potential contributions uh, from Maiden and the, and the, um, uh, the, the NPIF uh, from a strategic standpoint to the development and stabilization of operations uh, in your in your base metals division, that would be great, right? And I'm, I'm trying to, to understand that in, in addition from the, the interest evaluation that you're able to reap, what is uh, your what your partners could bring to the table and and, and help us uh, with those with unlocking value in those operations. Thanks a lot. first in the cost and uh and we're going to detail a little bit more the the partnership later thanks thanks eduardo thanks daniel for your question um so on the northern system um c1 is on on the meetings so you you can do the math you see there is certainly a contribution as we bring more volume from the north um to to our overall mix right we've saw we've seen some improvement in q2 and you continue to see in the second half of the year Regarding your FX uh, question, I think the best way to look into that is to look to to assess the sensitivity that I've talked about in my prep remarks. So every 10 cents of BRL appreciation is about 30 cents um, of increase in our C1. I think that's the best way to look into the overall exposure that we have and 50 cents at the all-in. So I'll pass the third question to Eduardo. Thanks, Gustavo. I think, uh, Daniel, thanks for the question. Um, the, when we discussed the, the unlocking value for, 
base metals, we always said is a conjunction of factors, right? It wasn't only the participation. The participation would come, as I mentioned, uh, at the right value with the right partner, one that uh, would see the, the, the opportunity down the road and the ability of ourselves to execute it. Uh, well, obviously, as, you, as Gustavo mentioned, there were several interests and in, in, in Manada to Madden together with PIF and then and then and Genoma one as well. They came up uh, exactly on the, on these two fundamental elements that we believe will unlock value. First of all, they validate the thesis. Uh, they are long-term investors. They are not here for the for a spring. They're coming here for the long term. Uh, they bring a sector experience in Madden. Madden has partnerships with other several miners, so they will help us as well. Uh, and, and PF, I, as I mentioned already, is a long-term value uh, investor. And uh, engine number one bring SUG credentials. That is key as we are in a business of energy transition. So I believe uh, the validation, the strength in the governance that will happen with them, uh, their help in the sector, and, there, and there's a collateral that, of course, is a benefit from us, is that uh, we have interests in the, in the Middle East as well with the mega hubs, as you know. So there were several elements that added to bring the right partner, people that uh, share the same view, share the same values, have, they, have, they have the SG credentials. So I think they will be very helpful on, uh, on strengthening the governance because, as we've been saying repeatedly, it's all about execution and growth. And with Mark Kutfani leading the board, uh, attracting talents like him, like Jerome, uh, having a fit-for-purpose organization, having partners, this will add up to a convergence of interests and, and uh, how can I say that, objectives that will unlock at tremendous values because we're going to execute faster and grow faster. Thanks for your question, Daniel. And we are very excited, by the way. I think we are beginning a new phase in Valley that will unlock tremendous value for all shareholders and, and fundamentally for the base metals business. Our next question comes with Leonardo Correia, Banco BTG Pactual. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Uh, so my first question for is is on base metals, um, Gustavo. You mentioned during the um, the presentation, the initial presentation, that um, that 3.4 billion was the total um, right uh, injection um, in the in the transaction. But you mentioned that 1 billion would stay at BBM and 2.4 billion would be returning to Vale, right? Um, I guess there were some doubts on. Uh, how much would stay at the um, at the energy transition unit? So I think you you clarified that. I just wanted to confirm. And and this 2.4 billion dollars that's flowing back into Vale. Um, I mean, where where would we see that being um, allocated? I mean, I, I can imagine the the key question would be if if that would be returned to shareholders in a form of of a special dividend or um, or continued aggressive buyback. So. The question is, is what will Vale do with the 2.4 billion uh, that's returning to the company, uh, or that's staying at Vale and not um, being allocated to VBM? The second question, um, uh, still on cash returns, uh, and, and still on, on um, uh, still for you, Gustavo. Um, I mean, from from your approach, uh, I'm just analyzing what Vale has been doing. Right, you announced you're basically paying the minimum dividend based on the formula, right? Um, and you're allocating all the, the, the extra right um, towards a, a very aggressive buyback, which has been on uh, which has been on um, uh, pretty much Valis cards uh, over the past quarters. You're, you're allocating something around 1.4, billion dollars per quarter of buybacks. Um, even with the changes in interest on equity, right, which in Brazil will probably be extinguished. I mean, do you think that's the same tone going forward, we should expect minimum dividends being paid and, and all the balance on, on the buyback. Is that still the way to go? So those are the two questions. Thank you very much. 
Thanks, Leo, for your question. So on, on the first one, yeah, we wanted to provide more clarity in terms of where the money will stay. So uh, based on uh, what uh, VBM is able to generate um, on an ongoing basis, plus their own balance sheet, um, we've, uh, we came to the conclusion that $1 billion was sufficient to fund the business for the next three to four years based on the plan that they have. So the rest is indeed moving back to the parent. It will come into our overall pool of cash, and we'll then allocate based on our capital allocation framework that we all know very well. So um, that links to the second conversation. Um, I, I'm very happy with the the way we've been allocating capital over the last couple of years. I think we are creating significant value for our shareholders, uh, either through a very health dividend payment or the share buyback at a very attractive level. This is certainly a conversation that we have uh, constantly with our board, and you know we'll bring more clarity in terms of how we we keep going on this one. But you should continue to expect us to be very disciplined uh, and very focused on creating long-term value for for our shareholders. Our next question comes with Vanessa Quiroga, Credit Suisse. Thank you and congrats on the transaction. I have a, a couple of questions. One of them is regarding the um, agreement with the partners. Is there any optionality for offtake uh, for the partners as part of the agreement? And will they have any dividend, I mean, any rights to receive dividends from Valley in the future? And the second question is um, related to, um, uh, the second question is related to, I would like you to review basically your corporate governance protection um, to be able to avoid any student change in leadership at the company, Valley. Thank you. All right. So Gustavo here. The first on the first one. Um, yeah. So on the there is there is no special dividend anything like that on the agreement. I think the agreement is very proportional to the final stake of each one of the partners. Uh, there is. Is uh, some commercial uh, discussions that we've had, an agreement that we've had with uh, our partners, and uh, it's all based on market conditions, um, and, um, and that's pretty much it. So it's very attractive from a governance standpoint for us. Uh, if anything, it just opens up new markets uh, for Valley, right, including the opportunity for us to deploy our products uh, in the Middle Eastern. Our next question. As for the, no, 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 no. Question with the minister. We have to answer the second question still on the corporate governance. I think uh, it's a very, very important question from Vanessa. Is that we've been since I think 2017, I'm taken when we entered Novo Mercado. We've been improving the governance. So I think Valley's governance is, is uh, fit for purpose for for a world class organization like ours. So I believe that. Uh, we are in good shape. We have independence. We we have representation. We have lead independent directors. So I I think the corporate governance is is uh, is is the right it's right sized uh, to avoid uh, any problems that we we would eventually have. Our next question is from Carlos de Alba Morgan Stanley. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thank you very much, uh, and congratulations on finally executing the, the transaction. Um, I, I wanted to, to maybe step back and, and think about how do you see the, the path forward now for BBM, um, given given that you accomplished, I guess, what presumably is is the first step or or, or the first two steps in in that um, you know in 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 in, in what you want to do 
with this company in the future. Uh, do, do you want now to concentrate on improving operations uh, and then potentially do an IPO or, or see what opportunities are there to buy or merge with another entity and, and you further increase the already attractive pipeline of credit that, that you have? Um, if you could comment and provide any color, that, that would be really useful. I have another question, but maybe I can uh, ask it uh, after the first one. Okay, Carlos, thanks. Uh, uh, your question is extremely important because, as I mentioned be before, it's a, it's a path, right? Uh, it's first of all, it's execute. Uh, that's why the partners are relevant on that sense because they're not, uh, 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 how can I say that, uh, short-term uh, um, investors or short-term viewers on the on this on this matter. That uh, that that fit for purpose organization that we mentioned that is being that is designed already is ring fenced as I mentioned is the first step the acquisition of talents like Jerome and Mark will go under the first uh, hurdle that is execute on existing assets of course we still have uh, gaps to fulfill uh, still projects that are ramping up so. We believe that's the first and most important uh, challenge that we have to keep on doing as we are being as we've been doing. The difference, I believe, with this new design or this new arrangement is is speed. The second one is growth. Uh, with a more dedicated organization, we believe that the projects, the attention, the drives are uh, will help us on accelerate that growth. When those two things uh, merge and will take a while, it's not something you need. It takes two, three years. I don't know. We will see what what kind of uh, of demands uh, we will have, uh, what kind of opportunities we will have. I don't know if Gustav wants to to complement, but fundamentally, it's a it's a path to execution, a path to growth, and eventually opportunities that that will arise later. Right? Of course, there's capital allocation opportunities as well. Yeah, no, I think you covered, you covered well, Edward. I think um, the key message for us here is also optionality. I think this this transaction creates options that otherwise value wouldn't have, right, to fund the opportunities that will come along. So we are very excited because I think we are, through a series of actions over the last 18 months, I think we are setting this business for success, creating options uh, that otherwise we would not have, and a more focused organization, which over time I think we all believe strongly that will create significant value for our shareholders. Thank you, Dr. Gustavo. And Gustavo, maybe um, the second question I have you could address is, is the following. So Vale has a dividend policy that is based on EBITDA generation minus sustaining CapEx. But uh, assuming that iron ore prices uh, were to, uh, to come into some pressure, uh, even that would come down. Sustaining capex, you, you may have some space to to bring it down, but, but presumably there's a, a minimum level that you want to do so so that you maintain the the, the integrity of your operations and assets. So there is a, a little bit of, of little room to maneuver uh, if even that comes down, um, but uh, not as much as your free cash flow generation impacted by the repayments of the uh, Brumadinho Mariana accident other than the characterization. So meaning it, it, it is conceivable that your free cash flow yield could be lower than your uh, dividend yield as suggested by your, by your dividend, uh, dividend policy. So how do you see this um, situation? What would the company do in such a scenario? Uh, clearly the balance sheet is a strong and you could sustain uh, a dividend yield higher than your free cash flow yield, but um, potentially not for too long. So, yeah, I just wanted to explore how, how do you see this and, and if there is a possibility potentially to change the dividend policy, or, or maybe I'm just mistaken, and the the payments and the expenses on Brumadinho and, uh, uh, that are adjusted out on EBITDA in some calculations are not adjusted out for the dividend policy purposes. Yeah, that, that's a good question, Carlos. So, look, those, you know, I think first thing is those uh, expenses or, or disbursements are temporary, right? So over a period of time, they, they, they'll be heavier and then they will over time uh, 
reduced, which will free up cash down the road. In the very immediate term, under the scenario frame, I think we will have the ability to even use our balance sheet, and we've been doing this, as you've noticed. We have a very strong balance sheet, uh, amortizations, uh, debt amortization um, is very um, smooth over the years. You've seen us doing a lot of liability management in the last uh, two, three years, uh, pushing out amortization, which give us a lot of uh, breathing room for us to accommodate and continue to to deliver on our uh, dividend policy. So we are we are this is this is very critical for us, and we'll continue to be very disciplined uh, in terms of delivering on the policy that we have. Our next question is from Tiago Lofiego, Bradesco BBI. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, first question: uh, Congratulations on the uh, on the base metals deal. And if I if I may go back to to Carlos' question, which was um, you know on, on the lines of uh, what what next steps are, and and I'll be more specific in my question here, which is: uh, Would you consider a next step being uh, a potential sale to a larger strategic shareholder? Uh, now that you have, you know, the, the valuation kind of like a stamp, uh, would you pursue, you know, larger steps in terms of uh, bringing in uh, larger partners uh, to, to, to validate, validate metals? Or uh, is an IPO a higher probability scenario? Or you're not thinking about any of those two scenarios and just thinking about the operating uh, turnaround? Um, and then my, my second question uh, to Medeiros, if I may, um, Medeiros, could you please talk a little bit about the main initiatives you're focusing on at the operating side, uh, what the main upsides are? Uh, we understand the licensing bottleneck, the resuming uh, production story, but from your perspective, uh, are there any other you know, major levers that you're working on uh, to increase uh, you know, production efficiency and, and operating efficiency? Okay, Thiago, thanks for, for the congrats and thanks for the very specific question. Yes, uh, there is no, uh, the, the path now is execution. Uh, what we have, the focus now as we arranged every, every piece of the puzzle, uh, we have a partner, we have a structure, we have the people, we have Mark, we have Jerome, we have Dashney, we have, we have our, the structure, X execution. That's the, that's the, the our primary focus. But as Gustavo has mentioned, the, the amount of uh, investments that this business will require down the road, the optionality is in our hands. Is an IPO put could be, is a merger could be, but it's not in our minds now. Our minds are totally focused on the execution. Okay, I hope I hope I, hope I have been more clear now. Is this is something for down the road, two to three years to think about. For now, now now, now that we did the deal, let's focus. On uh, accelerating the the, the, the the how can I say that the filling the gaps or closing the gaps on uh, on the execution and accelerating growth as I mentioned before and then two three years down the road what well, I don't know uh, we might uh, and then as, as Gustavo mentioned the optionality will be all in our hands we we, we haven't think about that yet okay I hope I, I hope I have been specific and answered you uh, in this time. And I'll pass to Medeiros to, to, to answer your second question. Uh, Tiago, um, so the main, the main points have been working uh, in, uh, in the operational side is basically asset reliability uh, in, in all systems. So that, that's the point where we believe uh, that there is, the most, there is most uh, room for improvement. And uh, clearly, we saw some results uh, in, the, in the last quarter. Uh, besides, uh, besides the, uh, the reliability, there are some specific uh, points uh, that vary from system to system, and, uh, uh, and, and also the geography where uh, I believe that is uh, the biggest opportunity uh, for upsides is uh, S11G in terms of uh, uh, reliability. 
guess this is the, the this is the main point. Our next question is from Amos Fletcher with Barclays. Yeah, morning, gentlemen, and thanks for the opportunity. Um, I just wanted to ask a question about um, the separation of VBM. Will it be run effectively with a separate balance sheet, and will that influence Barley's net debt target and cash returns policy? So, for example, if VBM is free cash flow negative, for example, you know, are you going to carve that out from Barley's adjusted net debt when you think about shareholder returns? Thanks. Hey, Amos, Gustavo here. No, given the, the larger share of participation, it will be all consolidated still. Um, uh, but certainly, uh, they will they will be able to fund themselves with their own either generated cash, being able to raise capital, and, and that. Potentially, that that it's for now, we are expecting to be recourse. But over time, uh, as the business matures, we may, we, may, we may be able to change it. But at this point, given the the, the size of the participation for Valley, it will continue to be consolidated and treated as such. So no change in the policies at this point. Our next question is from Rodolfo Angeli, Banco JP Morgan. Hi, uh, good morning. Um, my first uh, question, just wanted to confirm um, it, uh, the, the cash that stays at VBM of one billion, uh, you mentioned this is what uh, you see as um, what the company will need for the next uh, three to four years. Did I get this right, uh, Gustav? Can you just confirm, please? Yes, Rodolfo, because the company, I mean, the way we we are setting the company up is there is no debt they want right so very conservative balance sheet we are adding one billion dollar of cash plus they do generate um, good cash flow so that combination will allow them to fund what they have planned for the next uh three to four years uh, we'll certainly assess may you know new opportunities to invest may may come up but at this point based on the plan that's what we have so the rest the 2.4 will come up to the parent The next question is from Rafael Barcelos, Banco Santander. Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, my first question about the base battles. I mean, firstly, congratulations uh, for the deal. You mentioned that the the the, the Vale Base Metals division is expected to to invest around 25 to 30 billion dollars in the next decade in in the strategic projects, right? So, so could you please give us more call on how would you? Would you, uh, would you believe that the funding of this investment plan would be? I mean, overall, how are you thinking about uh, the capital allocation strategy for this division? Uh, if there is any risk that you could change the dividend policy to have the dividend policy more related to the iron ore division, just to understand how are you thinking about that. And the second question, I mean, about the, the iron ore business. So, so Violet finally received the license uh, uh, to operate the Torto Dam, which, of course, uh, will improve its ability to produce more pellet feed. Uh, so my question is, is just to understand what can we expect in terms of ramp up. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, we will uh, already see these effects uh, in, the, in the third queue or more to the fourth queue. In order than that, I mean, I remember that the Bruku 2 complex uh, um, used to produce like 30 million tons before the Brumadinho tragedy, and it's now at a run rate of 20 million tons. So just to understand uh, uh, whether or not the, the Bruku 2 complex could return uh, to a run rate of uh, 30 million tons uh, in the short term. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Rafael. Gustavo here. So uh, on base metals, there will be a ramp up for us to get to the 25 to $30 billion of investment in the next decade, right? So I think the deal that we are doing now allows us, as I mentioned a couple of times here, uh, to create options for us to fund um, those growth. Could be internally generated cash, their own balance sheet, but could be others, right? Uh, Valley could continue to fund, it's proportional. Uh, but we could also access capital markets, either public or private, as we just did. So I think we are opening up um, different alternatives, and we will assess 
at its due time, right? Three to four years from now, if we need to make a large investment, we will assess where the market is and what is best for our shareholders. So that's the first one. Uh, on Torto, it's already in operations. So in terms of benefit, it's about $50 million uh, a month, not in terms of volume, but quality. Um, so it's already there. Uh, in terms of bringing up to 29, the, the number that we've quoted, it will take a, a, some time, a couple of years still, because there is some work that we need to do in terms of waste disposal, which uh, will require some licensing. So the first stage was really to, you know, to improve the quality of the 21, 20 million tons that we currently produce. Uh, so we'll start to see this already in the PNL. The ability to ramp up it still requires some uh, licensing, uh, especially for waste disposal. Uh, which we are working on. The next question is from Rodolfo Angeli, Banco JP Morgan. Yeah, thanks uh, for getting back to me. I had a second question uh, for management. So um, the, the question is, is really about, um, you know, VBM again. The, the ambition is, is really um, – you know, enormous, right? We're talking about uh, tripling copper, doubling nickel. Um, so, so the question is really: uh, Do you have that mapped out? Is this uh, uh, going to be done at the current assets, or is that at this point uh, a, a target, a goal for the company, and and you're going to be evaluating, uh, you know, greenfields, uh, M&As. Um, and, and kind of this ties back to my first question because I felt like one billion was a bit shy given uh, the ambition. Um, so just uh, wanted to hear your thoughts on that. And thanks again for getting me back online. Thanks, Rodolfo. Apologies for cutting you off earlier. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the one billion is, is mostly due to the the, the ramp up uh, profile. So it takes time for us to uh, materialize some of those opportunities. But look, I think one of the unique competitiveness of our ETM business, and from our perspective, that is what attracted these partners and many others that were interested in, in, in being part of this, is the fact that ETM or value-based metals is sitting in a tremendous amount of resources, right, in three of the most relevant uh, mineral jurisdictions in the world. So Brazil with Carajás, uh, you have um, Canada, and then you have Indonesia, right? So we have a tremendous endowment. So I think the, the key message that we want to convey here is there's, there's two elements of value unlocking. There is one which is continued stabilization of the operations that we have, uh, which Mark is working with Dishini and, and being very focused on that. And then there's a second uh, stage, which is how we anticipate the development of that endowment, right? How we bring more projects faster to the market. Uh, we see tremendous opportunity to unlock value, good level of returns, me to um, high double-digit returns, and that's what we are going to go after. So we don't need to do any M&A, large M&A, a large transaction to get to that um, to, to that future. I think we can do with the own resources that we could currently have. Our next question is from Tyler Broda, RBC. Great. Uh, thanks very much, gentlemen. Congratulations on the uh, the transaction. Um, my question is on the um, on on the uh, the the, the uh, nickel um, assets in in Canada. I guess in in general, both Voices Bay and and Sudbury have kind of underperformed um, this year. Uh, I know from the site visit last year that this is going to be a, a multi-year process, but I guess um, how do you how do you sort of assess what's what's gone wrong um, this year? And then secondly, with that, I guess is how does Mark Kudafani's, um presence start to to uh, affect that? Like what's what's Mark um, you know doing in, in particular um, in, in his role? Um, thanks very much. Okay, okay, Tyler, I'll, I'll let uh, Dashney. Uh, go over the first point about Voices Bay, then I don't agree that it's not uh, going on, on like, as planned. I think it is like planned. That's why exactly we, we had this gap between um, the, the, the seed for Long Harbor. But anyhow, but, but Mark Funny is a, 
is a person that uh, had worked with us. Uh, I worked with him when when he was still in INCO at that time and uh, when we acquired Valley. I think Mark brings a total alignment in the way we see how to fix a problem, but he has done it and a, a track record. So he already is, is, uh, is with us. We are doing an asset review with top uh, specialists uh, to see exactly how we can accelerate things that are already uh, undergoing and other elements that are. He's going to chair the board, of course. Uh, I'll be there together with Pimenta. So this kind of focus will, will as, as, I, as I've been saying, help us to, to accelerate. So Mark is a, the right asset, <laughs> the right guy, at the right time, in the right place, with the right partners, exactly like our other partners that I mentioned before. And I asked Dashing to go up over Voices Bay because we are very excited what, how, how we can uh, actually go down underground and extract value that, that Voices Bay has. Thank you for that, um, Eduardo. And thank you, um, Tyler. So as you mentioned, the investor day that we had. So in Sudbury, the challenge has been on development. And very happy to say that the development that the team is achieving this year is more than double what we've achieved last year. And the tons are coming to plan. But as you're guided at Valet Day, uh, the challenge we have in Sudbury, some of the one-off maintenance activities that we have, you know, including things like the Creighton cage uh, one-off. So that's why you're seeing the slight decrease. But ex exactly as Edward is saying, the times are actually coming to plan, and we're very satisfied with the, with the performance. But as you also guided in Valet Day regarding Voices Bay, Voices Bay and, in fact, the entire VNL entity will be in transition for another 18 months or so. And the reason for that is we are busy ramping down the open pit, which is near, you know, near completion right now, and ramping up to the underground mines, but sticking very disciplinedly to our PMP schedule. We then took Long Harbor down for a two-month uh, PMP this past quarter. So both transitions in terms of the tons as well as the PMP came together to give us what looks like a horrible quarter, but I can assure you it is to plan. And just echoing what uh, Eduardo said about Mark, Mark and I have already started working together. We are putting together something that looks like a pathway to value plan. Uh, and, in, and in addition to what Mark brings from an ex expertise point of view in terms of helping uh, the management team and myself, we do have the likes of Tony O'Neill and some of the other industry experts helping us with an asset review that we will then use to look at how we can unlock the full potential outside of the current initiatives to fix and get back to the run rates that we need. Thank you. Our next question is from Alex Hacking with Citi. Yeah, uh, good morning. Thanks for the call. So uh, two questions. Firstly, could you maybe give us an update on the outlook for uh, mining taxes in Brazil? And then secondly, could you maybe discuss the role that uh, engine number one will play in in-base metals? You know, the fund does have some history of being uh, quite active in its investments. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. So on mining tax, I think we Mining tax, I think we are following closely all the discussions um, in, in Brazil uh, lately. It's also important to remind, always important to remind that uh, our sector is, is highly taxed already compared to, to others when you take the full uh, taxation in consideration. So we are feeling good about um, uh, where we are heading towards. Uh, of course, everybody, like everybody, monitoring closely potential impacts, but so far so good. Um, and we'll continue to monitor that closely. In terms of Engine One, we've we've met then talked to uh, to Chris James and team over the last several months about this opportunity, and we are highly um, aligned in terms of the value we see long term. And I'm sure he he and his team are very excited to join Valley Base Metals, and we are thrilled to have them joining. I think he will be a very important strategic voice to help us drive value in the long term. So we are excited, very aligned long term, and, and looking forward to working with them.
This concludes today's question and answer session. Mr. Eduardo Bartolomeu, at this time, you may proceed with your closing statements. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm just going to echo uh, Gustavo's uh, point in the, in the end. I think uh, we are very confident at the middle of the year that uh, we are with a stronger operational performance in all of our assets. Uh, ETM, as, as we were able to discuss today, has a tremendous opportunity ahead. The puzzle is, is done. Now it's a matter of execution and growth. Uh, very happy to be able to conform with GSTM uh, Valley. It is going to be a reference in them, uh, in them management. We started earlier, and uh, of course, we, we we have the obligation with society to be a reference on that. And JSTM uh, is a very welcome uh, standard to to protect ourselves and, uh, and society. And lastly, uh, as, as was discussed uh, during the call as well, uh, there is no doubt about our capital discipline. Everything that we do here is on the way to create value for our shareholders and, of course, for all, all stakeholders, society, our employees, and the ones that we thank, by the way, that had a hard time to create this transaction that everybody perceived how much value there is in the assets that Bali owns and will extract. As I always say, we are in a marathon and we are in the kilometer 25 now and, and we're going to get there and the ones that come together with us surely you're going to benefit from that and thanks a lot for your attention and see you in the next call valley's conference call for today is now concluded thank you very much for your participation you may now disconnect <laughs>